Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. All right, let's get started. This is a topic that I've heard a whole lot of teaching on over the last 20 years. And so uh, we want to leave our opinions aside and we want to go biblically and see what the Bible actually has to say about rest. Okay? That's always important. Our opinions are good and they're valuable. Um, but how many knows that sometimes we can be wrong in our opinions? I know I have been. You know, and revelation came and it changed the way that I saw it. And so I see it in a whole different way. So this is 14 years with the grace message of where I've come to a place. This is where I'm at. Doesn't mean that's where you're at. Doesn't mean it's going to relate to all you. But there are things in there that I'm sure that we all can learn from today. Amen? Okay, so when we first see in hermeneutics the word of first mention. So hermeneutics is basically interpretation of scripture. And the first time a subject's mentioned, it means that same thing all the way through the Bible. Okay? So when we look at Genesis 2.2, it says, And God rested from all his works. He rested from all his works. Why? Because it was done. Now, what's interesting about this word rested, it is the Hebrew word Shabbat. The Jews pronounce it Shabbat, and we pronounce it Sabbath, right? So taking from Hebrew from right to left, we've got two words here. We got shub and we got at. So shub means to return, and tav is a picture of a cross, to return to the cross. That's where it's all, that's where rest begins. Because see, when you go back and you look to the cross, you see that the work's finished, you can rest. The main rest we need to be focusing on is of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Because that's what affects everything in our daily life, okay? And so, to return to the cross. Do you know this word also means to celebrate? So God went back. Because this is all picture. We're in a garden, okay? There's trees in the garden. We're like trees planted by the rivers of water, okay? And basically, he looked back at what his son Jesus had done. Because remember, Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world, it says. So this was already a shadow type for us to learn from. So God returns to what he had finished through Jesus, and he celebrated that's why worship is so powerful, because what worship is, in essence, is celebrating what he's done. I've got some of my greatest healing through worship. Between the Word of God and worship, putting those two together, I got some of the greatest healing. And I didn't even know what was going on in the inside of me, but I was getting healing, and it was all because the work was done. There was nothing left for me to do. Okay. Now then, what's interesting, we're going to go at the next time this is mentioned. And it's with Noah. So Noah is a picture of us. Say, I'm Noah. You're Noah, representing-wise, okay? So Noah is the Hebrew word noak. Listen to this. It means to set something down and to sit down. To set something down, you have in your hands a work that you're trying to do to make something happen. Set that down and sit down. Now you can receive. If you're busy with your hands doing something, trying to fix your problem, guess what? You can't, and you don't set it down and sit down, you can't receive. That's one of the people's biggest problems from receiving. Now, God is so merciful, he still does things in our life, even though 
we're doing those things. So you don't have to worry. And at the end, you're going to hear something great. So despite wherever you might think, well, I'm not resting, that's okay. Because in the end, God's going to take care of that for you. Okay? So listen to this. Genesis 8-4. And the ark rested upon the, the uh, mountains of Ararat. So here we are. Now, this is a different word for rested. Nuach. We know sit down and set down. Ararat means is the curse is reversed. The curse is reversed. Once the curse is reversed, guess what? Judgment had already passed. They went into the ark. Noah represents us. Christ is the ark. Remember, God called them into the ark. He wasn't outside saying, go into the ark. He was inside and he was saying, come into the ark. So they went in the ark. Judgment fell, but it didn't fall upon them. Why? They were saved. It says eight souls were saved. Okay? And so then after all the flood, it sets on the mountain of Ararat. The curse is reversed. The more that you know that the curse is reversed and that there's nothing but blessing. Listen, I was doing a teaching uh, last week for Leslie. And did you know it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We've heard that before, right? God's not talking about us first and foremost. He's talking about himself. Because of what man did, there was still death in God's tongue because the soul that sinneth must die. But guess what? When Jesus died on the cross, he took that part of death and now all God has is life to speak over us. He doesn't have any more death for us. He's not double-tongued. Then what's interesting in Genesis 9-1, so he goes through the whole thing uh, of, you know, all of the events that led up to that point. And then in Genesis 9-1, listen to this. God blessed Noah. God blessed rest. God blessed rest. When we rest, that's, we're opening up ourselves for a blessing. Not that I say God still can't do stuff, but to get the fullness of what we're looking for. See, let's not be satisfied with where we're at. Be thankful, but let us not be satisfied because what God wants to do in our lives is much more than anything we can ask or think. God blessed rest, and then listen to what he said. Be fruitful and multiply. So what does rest bring? Fruit. What is that? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you rest, the fruit of the Spirit flows out of your life. He didn't say, hey, try to do the best you can. No, he said it in the command tense, be fruitful and multiply. What is that for us today? Be fruitful and multiply. How do we multiply? By mentoring other people. And however we can do that. It's different for everybody, but like you even taking the time with somebody, and taking what you have, rest, and multiplying that onto another person. Amen? So then we go, Psalms 46.10. This is another word for rest. Be still and know that I'm God. This is one of the first verses I memorized. Be still and know that I'm God. Now check this out. So the word still is rafa, which means to cease from work. And if you use this word, it's the highest speaking grace over you. The highest speaking grace over you. Okay, now the root word for Rafa is Rafa, okay, which means the highest speaking the sacrifice of Jesus over you, okay, and it literally means to repair. See, we need repairing, especially in our souls, because we've been so damaged by all the trauma that we've been through in our life. We need healing in that area. But just like if you go to a doctor, if you don't lay on the table and allow the doctor to do what he needs to do, he won't be able to give you the healing that you need. But when we rest, guess what? He's able to come in 
and he's able to repair that which has been damaged. And he will do exceedingly above and beyond with that. All you could ask think, I did drugs for 15 years and my mind was a mess. <laughs> I mean, it was a mess. And I'm not talking about, oh, I just smoked some weed. You know what I mean? I was doing crystal meth, I was doing cocaine, and I wasn't a weekend warrior, I was somebody that did it on a daily basis. It was a lifestyle. And for the first four and a half years in discipleship, I memorized scripture every week. Now, I'm not saying you, I'm not putting this on you as a law that you have to do this. I'm just telling you what helped me. By the end of that four and a half years, my mind was so sharp. I memorized so much. There's something about the word. And I didn't even know grace. But there's something even about the word of God still that it has an effect even on your mind. Just by, you know, by renewing it. Even though you don't know what you're renewing it to, but it's still the word of God. Isn't that so amazing? So be still and know that he is God. Cease from your works and he will repair in you what you can't repair with your human hands. Then you'll be able to be fruitful and multiply. Think about it like this. So we're going to talk about the vine and the branches. Okay? So... The whole picture is Jesus is the vine, we're the branch, but we're cut off. Why? No rest. We're cut off from basically all that he is flowing into us, right? Now let's talk about how do we receive and some of the things, the complications that we're going to run into from receiving. Let's talk about them. Okay, so uh, Romans 5, 17, but, but he who receives, everybody say receives. receives. Now in order to receive, we have to set down and we have to sit down. Makes sense? Okay? In order for us to receive, that's the Greek word lumbano. It means to be amazed by a gift and to receive that gift. Now listen to this. So, but those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, not the work of righteousness, but the gift of righteousness that's been set to your account and yours, righteous as Jesus is, before the Father's eyes. Okay, you'll reign in life. That's the Greek word basilio, feminine basilia, and it means king or queen. Wow, that goes right along with Revelations 1, that we are kings and priests, queens and priestesses. That's who you are. Reign in life as a king or a queen would when you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. But you got to set down and you got to sit down and let the Holy Spirit show you what that means for you because it might not be the same way it is for me find out how he wants you to do that ask him and he will show you amen and then we're going to go to martha and mary this is luke 10 38 to 42. now before we get into this names mean something all of our names mean something i mean think about it jacob got a bum rap didn't he deceiver but god's like that's okay i'm going to change your name to Yisrael, prince of god right and so in Hebrew, when people were naming their children, they were setting them up for what their life was going to be. Like Gideon, mighty man, a warrior, but he was a coward. But God embracing him and letting him know who he was and that who was with him, it made him into the man that his parents named him to be. Amen? Okay, so Martha literally means Lord, Master. That's sort of like how we are sometimes, huh? We're the master of our own domains, you know, so to speak. And then Mary, Miriam, which means double bitterness. 
Okay, so what happened was, according to the culture, when men came into the home, it was a woman's duty to serve those men and feed them food, right? Now, that won't fly as much these days because you might get a plate thrown at you, but back then in those days, that's how it was. So here is Martha, and she's doing the right thing. But the right thing isn't always the right thing. And so her sister, Mary, was seated at Jesus' feet. The word she uses for sat is parkathizo. Para means near and kathizo means to sit. To sit near to him and hear his word. And Martha complains. He goes, he goes Lord, why have, you know, my sister's left me. You know, make her come help me. And he says, Mary has chosen the one thing that is needed. The one thing that is needed, and it shall not be taken away from her. And what was that one thing? Sitting and receiving what Jesus had to say. Are you, seeing, are you hearing me? Jesus himself said it. The one thing that is needed. Okay, so uh, Romans 12, 2 and Ephesians 4, 22, 24. It's talking about the renewing of the mind, right? The renewing of the mind. I did a little thought process on this, and I was like, why do some people seem to get it and others don't? So I did a little math, and I'm not good at math. I had to double check it, triple check it with my, with my calculator to make sure I was right. So think about this. There's 360, by the way, the Romans 12, 2, Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24, it's in the present participle. That means it's continual. It's not just one time. It's continual. Okay, and this is the amazing thing. Every time that you put yourself in a position... Set down, sit down to receive whatever words being spoke. God changes the way you think because he's the only one that can convince you. He changes the way that you think and you walk up and you're different than when you came in. There's 365 days a year. Your average Christian comes to church on Sunday and they listen one time a week. So that means during, during the year, they're only listening to 52 times, one time a week. And then we wonder why some people aren't getting it when other people are getting it. But do you know if you listen every day, minus that 52, you're listening to 313 more times a year than those other people. Now, only God can give you a desire for the Word of God. And some people might think they're okay by doing that. But we have to also look at what the Bible has to say about the continual present tense of receiving His Word. This is six more times than what the average person listens to. See, when I first got grace, okay, um, I was coming out of a horrible pornography addiction, um, and I got a hold of Joseph Prince, and I listened to him every single day. And I took everything he said, and I wrote it down, and I went and studied it to make sure that it was right. <laughs> a year later, my mind had been so transformed, it was done. He had convinced me, I got grace, this is what it is. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. I always get people, oh, listen to this preacher, listen to this preacher. I'm not listening to nobody else. I drink from, I drink from the well that God gave me, and that's Joseph Prince. That's just, my, that's just my opinion. I don't need to go out and listen to other people because I don't know them, and I don't know what they're going to say. And you have to guard your minds because you might be getting some mixture in there. And what does mixture do? It nullifies both. Oh, God loves you, but. By putting that conjunction, but, saying God loves you is negated by whatever follows, is, is domineering. Renewing of the mind. If anybody, Eric, what do, what do I need to do? Get the app on your phone. Got a phone, don't you? Yeah. 
Get the app on your phone and listen every day. And you don't even have to do it like I do and check it once and check it. Tw- that was just me because I was, I was a teacher, so I studied, so it was natural for me. I'm not putting that on anybody. Listen every day, and I guarantee you, you will be in a different place in a year. So my wife, my wife, she was really into worship. She would listen to Joseph Prince, you know, like once or twice a week. And I, and, and, and I was very gentle. I was like, babe, you should listen to him every day. I'm telling you, it's going to help you. I watched her in the matter of a year totally be changed and add a whole new rest inside that she had that she didn't have before. And now when things happen, she doesn't respond the way she responded before. Why? Because she sat and she received every single day. And we both do it. We can hear it at the same time. She's listening in one room. I'm listening in another room. But a lot of times it's not the same time, exact same time. So she's listening to what I've already listened to. You know what I mean? But anyways, I'm just giving you, hey, I'm just giving you what's helped me. You know what I mean? Take it at a grain grain of sand and, uh, you know, go from there. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Here's the biggest problem Christians who are coming into grace that have been in the church with a traditional teaching for many years. 2 Corinthians 10 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God. So what is it? What is that stronghold doing? It's, it's arguing with what the truth is. And it's trying to exalt itself above the truth. By the way, the word of God itself, out of the context of grace, can do that very same thing. A lot of people have a lot of wrong beliefs that they got. And so it's a stronghold. The word for stronghold is ukurama. And it's a fortified lie. It's got a fortification like a castle would have a fortification around it as a wall. It has a fortification around it. But every time you listen, it chisels away at it and chisels away at it and chisels away at it. And one day you get free and the light comes on. You're like, oh my gosh, I see things totally different. Renewing the mind. Okay. Uh, Psalms 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. Bless you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, listen, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. The, that that it's, Doxa is the word, and it literally means new covenant. He makes me to lie down in the teachings of the new, what it is for us today, teachings of the new covenant. And then what does he do? He restores my soul. He makes you to lie down, he restores your soul. That is where we need the most healing is our heart and our soul. That's where the healing that we really need because of everything that we've been through in life. You know what I mean? Somebody coming up that's, you know, uh, you know, a teenager, well, they haven't been through the life's experiences that we've been through and we've been wounded and, and traumatized by the things that have happened. And, but guess what? That's such good news. He'll make you lie down. He makes you lie down. And then he restores your soul. Wow. He does it. Hey. We're going to talk about this, though, but this doesn't mean it's the end of the road for you. John 15. This is the first grace that I had gotten. Before I got Joseph Prince, God was already bringing in grace little at a time. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that, man, that, that was wrong what they taught me. You know what I mean? All I knew, that was wrong. And so anyways, it says uh, in John 15, it says that if... Uh, there's a branch, and it doesn't bring forth fruit. He takes it away. And I have been told, and then there, if you go and you read some of the other scripture that's, you know, in conjunction with that, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm getting thrown into the fire, right? I mean, that's how it can seem to appear, right? So 
I got this book, and it was on vineyards that this, that this Christian guy had written about, and he explained how it all worked. And he broke down this scripture, takes away. It's the Greek word airo, and it means to lift up. So this is what happens. Jesus is the vine. His father is the vine dresser. He's the one who tends the vineyard, okay? And so Jesus is the vine, and we're the branch. We're connected to him. But what happens is we find ourselves in a position where we can't receive anymore. And we're laying, we're laying literally in the dirt. So do you know what the, the, the vine dresser does, the father? He comes and he lifts you up so that you can bring forth fruit once again. So even if you're in a situation, and for those that are on podcast, even if you're in a situation that seems so dark and you feel like you're in the muck and the mire and you don't know how to get out, don't worry. The Father's not going to leave you there. He's going to lift you up out of there so that you can bring forth fruit once again. Listen, he didn't pay his son Jesus as the price to redeem us, to let us go just because we made some mistakes and we ended up in the muck and the mire. He's not going to leave us there. We're worth way too much for him to do that. Here's another prophetic scripture, and it's for the church today. I've never preached this ever. This is the first time I'm ever doing it, okay? Babylon, 70 years, the children of Israel, Judah and Jerusalem. So God had a law that every seventh year they were to let the ground rest. They went all these years without doing it. Remember, what goes in a ground? A plant. What are we? Our tree. What are we? Trees. This is a picture of us. And so basically, for all those years, they didn't let the land rest on the seventh year. So he took them out of the land so that the land could rest and then he could bring them back and put them back in it. Why? Because he loved them. Because under that law, God couldn't bless them the way that he wanted to. And they couldn't be fruitful the way that they were supposed to. And there was all kinds of mess. You can go back and Jeremiah prophesied it. Daniel, you can go back and you can read all that stuff. But so he took them out for their own good. You know, there, there, was, there was a company. I heard about this. It was really amazing. There was a company. Remember back in the 80s when all the cool album covers and, like, and there was actually artists that designed the album covers for bands like Journey and things like that. Well, the company that did that, the owner was Jewish. And do you know what he did? Every seventh year, everybody was off, paid with salary, and that they could rest and come back fresh and bring new things to the table. And they were so successful People just couldn't get it. I mean, how could you let them, you know, off for a whole year? But it was worth investing that into that year so that the people would come back fresh for the next six years. Pretty, pretty amazing, right? See how important rest is to God? Not for his benefit, for our benefit. Just a little bit of my testimony. So I had come out of, uh, you know, just all drug addiction, all these different lifestyles, all these different things. What ended up happening was, is I stepped into ministry very early on in my first year. I was already doing ministry. That went on for 15 years. Do you know, my whole reason for doing ministry is so that I could have worth 
Not that my heart didn't want to share or just, I'm not saying any of that. I mean, I, my, my heart was in the right place, but deep down I had such a wound of rejection that that gave me a thing because people looked up, they didn't, everybody was looking down, you're a drug addict, you're no good, you're a homeless person, you're this, you're that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, it's not fun. I mean, I remember sleeping on the side of the road and people driving by and laughing and throwing rocks at me. You know what I mean? And it's like, I was a wounded person. I had a drug addiction. I, I was wounded. I was trying to heal my wound. I didn't know how to heal it, you know? And, um, and so anyways, when I got into ministry, all of a sudden people were clapping for me. Not that I was even trying to take the glory from Jesus or anything like that. That's not what I, that's not, that wasn't it. But I finally found a place where I had value. And it went on for 15 years. Even after I got the grace message, I was still doing it. We all know our inner stuff. We know, we know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I didn't quite get it. It took 15 years to finally understand. But then, you know, God did some. He took everything away from me. At one day, I was preaching every single day to hundreds of people. And I went from that to nothing. It's like 70 years in Babylon. He took the people out so that there could be Rest And so what I found out during those last five years, which come up to us coming here, is that God loved and valued me and it had nothing to do with what I did or what I didn't do. And that is one of the hardest things for us to receive because we think we have to do something in order to have value. But guess what? Uh, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us, all of us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were sinners and Christ died for us. That means we had no value whatsoever, but God placed the value that he had on us was his son laying down his life. That's the value that each one of us has. And that's what we need to live out of. No more works. Oh, there's, there's work to do. Don't worry about it, but it will flow. Hey, I'll tell you, anytime you want to know if you're ever out of rest, and I've been, I've been discovering this quite a lot lately. Um, when you're out of rest, when you're stressed, you're not flowing anymore. So you need to sit down, sit, whatever that means between you and God, because it's going to be different for each one of us, how we sit down and sit down. It's going to be different. But if you're stressing, put it down, sit down and go receive. That could just be in prayer, that could be in worship, that could be the word, however you want to do it, whatever God leads you to do. But here's the thing, the world is not at rest. And if we're just like them, what do we have to offer them? Nothing. And the thing that I love, he's so amazing because he came to me when I was in the muck and the mire. And he pulled me out and had nothing to do with anything I did. It was because that's how he loves me and he feels about me, that he didn't want me there. And that's not just true for me, it's true for you and it's true for everybody out there. Let us step into this, and I'm going to pray over you guys in a second, so that we enter into a new rest that people of the world see it and they're like, I don't know what you have. 
You know, that's what they used to say to me because I did have rest when I was at the Dream Center and we were teaching discipleship all the time. I did have a rest. I had a rest. My salvation was secure. I had a rest that I was righteous. All I, I, didn't, I didn't have the rest, though, that, that, you know, I was still trying to get my value. Like, oh, you, Eric, you're awesome. Dude. You're a great teacher. Oh, Eric, this, that, you know. And our flesh eats that stuff up. And not that I can't take a compliment. I'm cool. But now... I can take that compliment without worrying about any strings attached because whether they like it or they don't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Because my value is based on what he says, not what anybody else says. Father, I just pray for us that are in this room, for our church, that you would take us to a new level of rest, that the world would see it, especially in the times that we live in. And they would say, I don't know what those people have, but whatever it is, I want it because I know I don't have what they have. And Lord, we just thank you for it.